I want to share with you a word, the final message from the Sermon on the Mount. So how many of you are familiar with the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus? The most famous sermon of all time. I heard that a, a, a professor offered to his students to read the Sermon on the Mount and give some feedback on what they thought about it. And the feedback was they hated it because it was so strict. Like it was so, like they, they heard it and they're just like, well, that's, how can we ever, how can we ever obey all of those commands that Jesus gave? It's just not possible. And if you remember one of the sermons in the past, the rules um, that, that we can't, we can't obey the rules. We are not perfect, but we are saved by grace. And we do, we live the way we do to honor God and to live for him. Well, this message here is, is really how to build the best life you can. It's to build your life on the rock, the rock of salvation. Talk to you a little bit about building. Um, back in the 60s, my grandfather was raising his family um, over in East Detroit. It was called East Detroit. Anybody remember that? East Detroit, not East Point? Okay. Uh, so there were six of them, and he worked the midnight shift at Chrysler. Some call it Chrysler's. I don't, I don't know why, but... It's plural. But for the family, life was good. My dad enjoyed life. He played a lot of Sandlot baseball in, in East Detroit. And my grandfather, um, everything could have just played out the way it did, but my grandfather had this idea that would change everything. And his idea was he wanted to buy a farm in Richmond. Now, back then, Richmond was the boonies, Okay. Nothing but farmland, nothing but um, dirt roads. And he had this idea he was going to um, have a farm with some beef cattle and some horses, and I think most importantly, a really big softball field because the family loved baseball. We had a family friend that worked for the Tigers, and we went to a lot of games. But my grandfather basically created a softball field right out of the cornfield. I am positive it was the inspiration for Field of Dreams by Kevin Costner. I think some guy was driving by and saw that and thought, hey, that's a great idea. If you build it, he will come. As time went on, my grandfather accumulated some property around the farm, so much so that when my dad was 22 years old, he decided to build a house, to buy some of that land from my grandpa and build a house. 22 years old, my dad was going to build a house. Now, I was two at the time, and I thought that house would probably be something, you know, small, little house in the woods. But no, my, my dad had visions like my grandfather, big ones. And he built a mansion, a mansion. Sometimes I drive out to uh, Richmond just to see it. It's still there. It's there because he built it on cinder blocks, on, on cement, on rock. And... It's a huge house. It's cool to go see. And my dad has since built some other houses. But I'm always amazed at what he can do when it comes to houses. And I'm never afraid to take on a house project because I know if I get stuck, I just call my dad. And, uh, of course, he just turned 70 last week. So he, he might be, and his back's bothering him lately. And, and he's got to get cataract surgery. So I thought, you know, happy birthday to you, Dad. You know, all the <laughs> things you got to get going on. But so... I'm doing this one solo. I'm building a deck uh, in the backyard of our house. And, 
if you've ever built a deck before, or maybe you've built some houses before, you know that um, when you build a deck, you've got to put the posts in the ground 42 inches in Michigan because there's a frost line. And if you don't put the post all the way in that far and then put cement around it, um, which turns into rock, if you don't do that, then the, the, the frost will thaw and, and everything will shift and your deck will not look right. Well, the cement helps it harden like a rock. In the end of this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus basically says to his listeners, and there was a lot of people listening, he says, if you want to build a great life, then you have to build your life on a rock. The rock of salvation. Evie agrees. In Matthew 7, I'll take you to the, the passage here so you understand what Jesus said specifically. So if you have your Bible, you open up to Matthew 7. We're going to be in there. Verses 24 through 27, I'll read first. If not, you have it on the screen. Everyone, Jesus said, then, who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So my question to you this morning is, are you building your house, your life, on a rock? If so, it'll look like this house here, a strong house built of stone, built on stone. But if you're building your life like a foolish man on sand, then your life might end up looking like that. And that's not good unless you have insurance. (laughs) This morning, I want to help you understand what it means to build your life on a sure foundation. As Christians, you have to understand that you don't just make a proclamation of faith. You don't just get baptized and then go ahead and live your life any way you want. Right? There's lots of people, unfortunately, that I think do that. They pray the sinner's prayer. Maybe they take that step of baptism They got their life insurance, now they're going to do whatever they want to do. And they even fall on some scripture that says, well, I'll just ask God for forgiveness and I'm okay. But that really, to me, is stinking thinking. Okay, you don't want to live your life like that. Jesus said, he who hears my words and does them is the man who builds his house on the rock. So when you hear a truth from God, a truth, you have to act on that truth. You have to make it a foundation in your life, as we sang. You have to build your life on it. Live according to that truth. Because a wise man builds his house on the rock. Amen? Amen. Will you just pray with me so we can hopefully have our, our spirit dive into this deeper? Father, thank you so much for bringing us here today. And Lord, I pray that as we listen to your word, that it would change our hearts. That as we hear truth, that we will adjust our lives to, to build our life on truth. For we know, Lord, that your son, Jesus, is the truth, the way, the life. And I pray, Father, that we would be strong in our faith because we have truth in our life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. My first career job, I worked as an engineer. Um, I have a mechanical engineering degree from Michigan Tech. And uh, it's probably still snowing up there, if you've ever been up there before. It's 90 down here, but it'll be snowing up there. It's, it, 
I haven't gone back much. <laughs> it's cold up there. But I had a job uh, that lasted about a year. Uh, it wasn't a super exciting job, didn't pay very well. And then I got a job in sales. That was my, kind of my second big job. And part of my job in sales, I sold automotive tools um, all over Metro Detroit. So I, I drove a lot of miles, about 30,000 miles a year. And while I was driving around in my car, I listened to tapes. Remember those? Not eight track, all right, I don't go back that far, but cassette tapes. And my stepmom gave me this one tape of a motivational speaker that I really, really liked. His name was Jim Rohn. And he was a, um, he gave a talk called The Five um, Pieces of Life's Jigsaw Puzzle. It was a very compelling talk. I was very, um, I, 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 I just, it was one of those things where you hear someone give a talk and you're like, man, I have to listen to that again. And then I got to listen to that again. And I literally took pages of notes when I heard this message, this talk, because it was just so, there were some really great things in there. And when I was listening to it, I was realizing, like, I wasn't even a, really a Christian at the time. I believed in God, but I, I never really had taken any steps in my faith to, to draw closer to God. But this guy, I could tell, was a Christian. I could tell because of some of the things that he said. In fact, he said that you should look for a mentor in your life. He had a business mentor that helped him become very wealthy. Well, a little bit later on, I started you know, saying, yeah, I, really, I need to find a mentor. And um, it turned out that I did find one. And he didn't make me wealthy in money. He made me wealthy in life because he led me to Christ. And that's amazing how God does that in our lives. When we ask for something, God gives us not what we want, but what we need. The second thing that, that I noticed about uh, Jim Rohn, that, that he was a Christian, is that he recommended three books. And one of those books was the Bible. Um, read the Bible, he said. And then the last thing he said in his talk was, he said, you need to fashion for yourself a great life. And ask God for help, because we could always use a little help, can't we? And so I was listening to that, and I thought to myself, well, how do I fashion for myself a great life? How do I do that? I know a lot of people try to make themselves a great life. I love doing um, marriage counseling, premarital counseling for couples that are about to get married, because I just see, like, you know, Having gone down that path and, and, and know like you know what comes next, we have a couple in our church that I, I got to do their wedding a couple years ago, and just two days ago they welcomed their first child into the world, and it's just really exciting to see kind of how all that unfolds, and I, I love being a part of that. Um, but uh, there's people who who want a great life, um, but don't often ask God for help. Don't walk with God. And they just kind of go their own way. And when you go your own way, it's like building your life on sand. And I want you to know what that means. I want you to know what that looks like. There's a few things that I think that looks like. First of all, the obvious one probably everyone has heard before is that when you build your life on sand, it's like you're building your life on possessions, material things. They become your God. They become important to you. That's what you strive for in life. You just want to have money. You want to have you know, the ability to buy things, and so on and so forth. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, right? Because what happens? Moss and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. You've heard that before, I'm sure. So what I wish is that more people would know, 
and especially young people, because they tend to be so kind of, I was that way, just wanted to make a lot of money. I mean, that's why I quit my job. I had a good job in engineering, but I just wasn't making money that I wanted to make. And so I just quit thinking money was going to make me happy, and it didn't. Well, I wish more young people would, and people would understand that. And that's just building your house on sand. It's going to fall apart eventually, right? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're not there yet, but hopefully you remember. Another way that you can build your life on sand is when you believe false teachers. Boy, there's a lot of false teachers out there. Especially now that through technology, you can listen to anybody anywhere in the world. You can watch anybody anywhere in the world. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, just before he talked about building your house on a rock. He said in verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. And what does that mean if you're not, don't know all the Bible stories? That basically means they come to you looking like a Christian. But inside, inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. They're going to tear you up, basically. But you'll recognize them by their fruits. And I'll tell you what that fruit would look like. I always like to say, don't get your theology from Hollywood. By the movies you watch and the TV. Because there are Christian movies out there, and then there are Christian movies out there. Right? There's a, that's kind of a big thing now in Hollywood. Is They're recognizing that there's Christians out there that'll pay money to see movies that have to do with faith, and so they're making them, but some of them are not so biblical, right? You've probably seen some of those. I would add to don't build your theology on Hollywood, don't build it on social media, right? Because on social media, you can follow people who are so-called religious experts. They think they know. Um, There's a lot of uh, new age. There's a lot of different um, spirituality out there people you can follow. If you're forming your belief system on Hollywood, on social media, on people who are not taking the Bible as a whole in context, they're taking out verses and making them fit to their agenda, it's building your house on sand. Those people, the fruit that you'll see is they'll change their stances. They'll change their minds. And they'll do it time and time again. They don't believe in absolute truth. They believe in relative truth, whatever's relative to the situation. And they'll tell you what you want to hear to make themselves more money and make themselves more popular. So you want to be careful for that. You don't want to build your life on false teachers. Then lastly, you don't want to build your life on sand by making your religion more important than your relationship with Jesus Christ. Your religion cannot be more important than your relationship. I've heard it said religion is man's way of messing up his relationship with God. You don't want your religion to do that. Jesus said this, and I'll tell you what, if you don't read these three verses and get a little bit nervous or scared, or you know, you should, I read these and thought, what, what is Jesus saying here? This is, this is serious. He says in verse, seven, uh, verse 21 of chapter 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, speaking of the judgment day, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
Does that not cause alarm within us? Doesn't that make you think, wait a minute, these are people who were acting like Christians, doing Christian things, yet Jesus is going to tell them, I never knew you. Why would he do that? What, is it, what, what are they doing wrong? Well, their religion is more important than their relationship. They become a modern-day Pharisee. You heard Jesus talk about Pharisees. I get alarmed when denominations, Catholics, Protestants, um, Orthodox, they get so dogmatic about their ways of doing things. And if you tell me, like, this is what we do, I kind of want to know, why are you doing that? Where in the Bible does it say you should do that? Take baptism, for example. Right? You can go across the street to a church that baptizes babies, right? You can go in different places at sprinkles, right? Some, you know, we immerse. Like, you can have, you got all kinds of different things that are happening. But what is right? Right? That there's, there's some truths that we have to get into. Be careful about making your religion more important than your relationship. I think it can happen in any church regardless of denomination. So, a wise man builds his life on the rock, not on shifting sand. So if you want to build your life on the rock, say, tell me how. how. Alright. First, you need the rock. The rock. And we sang about this, it's in verse 24, and I have it up here. Build your house on the rock, the one and only rock, the cornerstone. The cornerstone is an important stone in building. Stonemasons understand that they take this cornerstone from the quarry of stones. They find this perfect rock. This perfect rock is going to be the measuring rock for every other rock you put to build the perimeter, to build the house, to build the building, whatever it is. You put the cornerstone, where do you think you put the cornerstone? In the corner of the building, right? And every other rock gets measured vertically and horizontally based on the cornerstone. The cornerstone has to be perfect, pure, no fissures, excellent stone. Which is why Jesus is that cornerstone. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 3. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Peter said, for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone. Chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. There's only one cornerstone. His name is Jesus. There's only one way to be saved, to go to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. A wise man builds his life on the rock, the cornerstone. Secondly, Jesus said in that verse 24, that everyone who hears these words of mine, You have to hear the words. The cornerstone may be the beginning of the foundation, but you need other stones to be put into place to establish the perimeter, kind of the foundation stones that establish the perimeter of your house. When Jesus said emphatically, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he meant that I'm the truth, so therefore everything I teach you is truth. What are the truths that Jesus taught? Well, they're all in the Gospels. That's why you have to make a steady diet of reading the Gospels. That's why I'm spending a year and a half teaching through the Gospels. 
the harmony of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going through that this next year and a half. If you want to hear what Jesus taught, come join us every Sunday and hear the word. What would Jesus do? Anybody ever have a WWJD bracelet? Remember those? Well, you don't know what Jesus would do unless you know what Jesus taught you to do. So you have to read the Gospels. You want a healthy marriage? You want a great family? You want a thriving ministry? You want a, a, a job satisfaction? Build your life on the truth that Jesus taught. I call them our core values. We have core values here at Life of Purpose. We worship in spirit and truth. Who said that? Jesus. John 4. We, work, we love one another. Greatest commandment, Jesus said, Love your Lord your God, right? And love your neighbor. We serve with humility. Jesus did that. We share our faith. These are in core values. These are, are important to us as a church. We pray with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we embrace all scripture. Because all scripture is God-breathed. Amen to that? A wise man builds his life on the rock, on these truths that Jesus taught. And lastly, when you have other stones to build your house, to build your life, you need to be shaped. You need to be shaped. You need to be fit correctly. Interestingly, when Solomon had the temple built, you might recall when we talked about this last year as we went through the whole Bible in a year, um, the temple was a holy place. Solomon would not allow the stones to be shaped at the temple. They had to be shaped at the quarry. Tricky for a stonemason. But they shaped them at the quarry because the holy temple could not have any noise. Regardless where you, sh- you, you need to have your stones shaped, and the way you do that, Jesus said, is everyone who hears these words and does them. Does them. You live by these truths. There's a Bible study that I did when I first became a Christian called Experiencing God. Has anyone ever done Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby? Experiencing God is a foundational Bible study. In fact, it's so good um, that I would like to do it again this fall on Wednesday nights. That's when I did it. We, our church uh, met on Wednesday nights. The pastor said, we're going to do this Bible study. We're going to break up into small groups. We have different leaders. And it will be life-changing. And he was right. Because before that Bible study, I never prayed out loud before. I didn't have a devotion time in the morning or in the evening. I didn't spend time reading my Bible. And I never memorized a verse before until I went through experiencing God. pastor also said that some would not complete it because it is pretty intense. It's pretty long. It's 13 weeks long. Five days a week, you have to do a 30-minute devotion. You have to try to... Um, memorize scripture. You have to really dive into the word. And pastor said some won't, won't do it. Well, when you tell an overachiever you can't do something, all right, it was like giving candy to a kid. I was in. It was great. And I finished it. And then we did it again um, in our uh, next church that my wife and I um, started our marriage in. But it was life-changing. Experiencing God helped me build my life on a rock. For 20 years, I have been referencing and going back to the truths that Henry Blackaby laid out. Let me tell you what they are real quickly. The truth is, when God speaks to you, and boy, do people want to hear from God. 
When God speaks to you, he does it usually in four different ways. He speaks to you through the Bible, his word. He speaks to you through the church, right now, leadership. He speaks to you through prayer, and he speaks to you through circumstances. And when he talks to you, when you hear from God, it brings you to a crisis of belief. Do I believe? A crisis of belief. And when you face that crisis, you, re- you must respond with faith and action. You've got to make adjustments in your life. If you hear from God, and God tells you, hey, you're not on the right path. You're believing something you're not supposed to believe. You got it wrong. Crisis of belief. How do you respond? Jesus said, everyone who hears these words and does them. I was at a a coach's um, breakfast yesterday. I had the opportunity to speak to some coaches, Christian coaches for Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Oakland, Macomb County. And I heard this um, story. It was was great. Two eagles are on a branch, and one eagle decides he's going to fly away. And then the question is, is how many eagles are on the branch? And you might be thinking there's one, but there's two. He just decided he didn't do it yet. You got to do it. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to have you stay that way. You got to respond. That's worship. God's always at work, is he not? Always at work around you, but more importantly, he's always at work in you. He's always revealing truth to you. And when he does bring you to a truth, it's a crisis of belief. You've got to say to yourself, you've got to ask yourself, or you will ask yourself if you're listening, oh my gosh, is this really true? If I've been believing a lie, what am I going to do now? You have to respond. Two quick examples, and then I'm finished. The rich young ruler. The rich young ruler was a wealthy young man who approached Jesus He was very pious. He was very religious. He came to Jesus and he said, because he knew kind of the answer before he asked, he said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus began to quiz him. Well, did you obey this command? Did you obey this command? He said, yep, 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 yep. The smile kept getting bigger, right? And then Jesus said this to him, Matthew 19, 21 and 22. Jesus said, if you would go, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, And you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Well, the young man heard that and was sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Think this through here. He heard a truth from God. The truth is you can't love God and money. You can't worship God and worship money, because you'll always be divided. He heard that truth, and he knew what he believed. He was at a crisis of belief. I love money more than I love God. That's a problem. That's what he was saying to himself. And now he has to make a choice. He has to decide what he's going to do. And he had the opportunity to build a better foundation. He had the opportunity to follow Jesus. But did he respond that way? Did he adjust his life? Nope. He went away sorrowful. And he did not receive eternal life, as far as we know. Right? Then there's Elisha. Elisha the prophet. Elisha and Elijah. (laughs) Two that sound so familiar in the English. Elisha was this farmer, minding his own business, farming, cultivating the crops, had two oxen, um, a yoke of wood, and he was on this plow, and he's doing this farming thing. 
And Elijah the prophet comes to his house and tells him, God is calling you into full-time ministry. There's the truth. Elisha heard the truth. Would he obey? Well, if you read the story in 1 Samuel, you'll see that Elijah, or Elisha did obey. He heard the truth, and what did he do? He took those two oxen, and he slaughtered them, and had a feast, and took the wood of the yoke, and, and had a bonfire, and cooked it all up, and no going back <laughs> to farming. But he made adjustments in his life. He obeyed. He built his life on the rock. So I give you this opportunity. You've been listening to God. Hopefully you've been reading your Bible. You've been coming to church. You've been praying. And if God's been speaking to you, there's some truth that he's revealed to you. And if you really think about it, you're probably at a crisis of belief. And now you have an opportunity to respond, to adjust, to obey him. I know what God's been speaking to me about in my life, and I know where I'm at, but where are you at? In a minute here, I'm going to ask our um, team to come up and, and sing our final song, our praise team, and our eight folks that are getting baptized are going to go get ready, and they can go do that now. But as we're singing this final song, I want you to just think about what truth God has been speaking to you about. Jesus said in John 8, 31, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We're going to sing this song, and if you would like to come forward and pray at the steps, make that your altar. If you want to pray right where you're at, you can certainly do that as well. But this is the time where I feel like you can tell God, I'm in. I'm going to obey. I'm going to adjust my life. I'm going to make this change. So I want to encourage you to do that as we sing this song. As you hear these words, you can sing along. But I think they're fitting to what we need to do as Christians as we take our next step in our walk with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who opens our eyes, who taught so much truth and the Holy Spirit in us that helps us understand. Father, I pray we respond to you. I pray we worship you. I pray we would adjust our lives to the truth. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.